Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. We trust today's message will challenge you and move you closer to Christ. Good morning, everyone. I don't know if there's any words we could utter better than that, that we are a child of God. If you can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, whether it's a digital or paper version, turn towards the end of that chapter. If you've not noticed by now, Pastor Phil and Pastor Justin are both not here today. That was not planned. Uh, Pastor Justin is away with his family in Florida, which we're happy he has that time to rest and celebrate with them. Pastor Phil is recovering from COVID. He called me on Thursday afternoon and tested positive, uh, but he is recovering well, but still in that contagious stage. So he is watching online along with others today. Um, So as we have this extra opportunity to look at changing our world, we get that from our vision statement, right? Which says together, equipping you, strengthening you to change your world for Christ. A few months ago, we looked into how to use the Bible to change your world, and we had the whiteboard series after that. And these past few weeks, we've been looking at how we can use prayer to change your world. And that's what we're here to do, right? To be strengthened and equipped with the Word of God to go out and change our world for Christ. So as we do to honor the Word every Sunday morning, can you please stand and read along with me as we start in verse 35 of Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Now, as we've been focusing on prayer the last few weeks, this is a specific prayer that Jesus calls us to pray, to send out laborers into the harvest, into his harvest. And since I only had a couple days to think about what to talk about this morning, um, I had an opportunity to speak at a men's retreat last year on serving in ministry. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, We looked at serving in the household, serving at our workplace, but we also looked at serving in ministry, which is something that we're all called to do. And why is this important? Well, this should be pretty easy because we just read this verse, but please finish it for me. The harvest is plentiful, but... All right, I'm not as funny as Mike Spicconi, but I know you can do a little better than that. The harvest is plentiful, but... Right, that was written 2,000 years ago, but it still rings true today. Every ministry that we have here has openings. It is looking for more laborers. Every ministry partner that we have, like Seeds of Hope or Choices of the Heart of the Navigators, are all looking for more laborers. It still rings true today. And the serving that we do will have a long-term impact. It's not just about the impact that it makes today or tomorrow, but it will have a long-term impact, not only on the people we're serving, but for generations to come. See, the little people in our house, they're watching us. They're looking at how we serve. I'll give you an example. We know that David is a man after God's own heart. Yes, David has his issues just like the rest of us. But David was a man after God's own heart because he repented after he sinned. 
And he praised God. He wrote songs and psalms singing of his greatness and goodness. And he cried out to God when he messed up. David was a man after God's own heart. And his son who was watching him was Solomon. And Solomon started out great. Solomon was asked, you can have any one thing that you want. What do you want? And he asked for wisdom, and God said that was such a great answer. Not only am I going to give you more wisdom than any man has ever had, but everything else as well. See, Solomon had a great example to follow in his father, David. But as Solomon went throughout his life, he started walking away from obedience. He started doing things that God didn't call him to do. And his son was watching that example. And if you know anything about Old Testament history, Rehoboam, the king after Solomon, Solomon's son, well, it only took a matter of weeks before the entire kingdom fell apart. It split into two, and things just deteriorated from there. See, our, our serving in ministry is so impactful, not only for today and tomorrow, but the people around us are watching how we serve. So we need to be really careful about the commitment that we have to service. See, we served in something called Operation Christmas Child here a few months ago. And in 2023, over 10 million kids were reached with a box of gifts and a gospel presentation in their own message, I mean, in their own language. And that is something to celebrate. We should be really glad that that happened and God blessed that ministry. But it's just scratching the surface. See, they missed over 960 million kids that they targeted to hope to have a box for. That's not kids in America in the West where things are plentiful. This is just the kids who probably weren't going to get a single Christmas present around the world. So my goal with this talk was to get everybody fired up, to run out to the ministry leaders and say, let's sign up. What can I do? Go to our ministry partners in the community and say, I'm available. What else can I do? But man, I had it all wrong, or at least mostly wrong. I know that. Firing up the troops, I was going to send out the sheep to the slaughter. You see, I wanted to focus on verses like this. James chapter 1, verse 1. James is the half-brother of Jesus, the most famous dude in the land, and he announces himself as a servant of Jesus, not as his brother. What could he have gotten from that? He'd be like, hey, I was Jesus' brother. Don't I have a little clout there? But no, he introduced himself as a servant of Christ. Paul and Peter do the same things in their letters. And I wanted to focus on verses like this as well. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, which I thought would be like a life verse for me. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling the good news about the wonderful grace of God. How awesome of a verse is that? My life is worth nothing unless I share the good news of Christ. And Ephesians 2.10 and Titus 3.8, they say almost the same thing. So most of us in here, if we've read the word a little bit, probably are familiar with Ephesians 2.8. It says we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. It is not from the works that we do. And Titus 3.5 says the same thing. We were saved not because of the works that we are done, have done. But see, Paul wrote that clear message about salvation. We cannot be saved by works, not by the things that we do. It is only by the grace of Jesus Christ. But he was clear to point out right afterwards, just two verses later in Ephesians, why we were created. We were created for good works. And he does the same thing in Titus three verses later. He said, devote yourself to good works. You cannot be saved by your works. None of us can. 
but we were created and made and are to devote ourselves to good works. So I was ready to just dwell on those verses and talk about that. And then I read this book, Serving Without Sinking, How to Serve Christ and Keep Your Joy by John Henley. I threw everything out that I had prepared to talk about after reading this book. A good friend of mine told me that when you prepare for a speech or a sermon or a talk, if you read one book and talk about it, it's plagiarism. But if you read five books and talk about all of them, it's called research. Well, I'm gonna probably plagiarize today, but hopefully I'll get off the hook by at least giving John Henley credit for writing this book. It's a very easy book to read. Uh, I would highly recommend it. But there was a quote in the beginning of the book that really resonated with me, which is here. Christian service shouldn't leave us feeling irritated, exhausted, guilty, proud, bitter, or lazy. But all too often I chat with Christians who feel one or all of those things. I see them in myself too. Man, I could definitely resonate with a lot of those things that I've felt in times in serving. And he said the reason that we feel these things when we serve as a Christian is because we serve for the wrong reasons. These are the reasons that are wrong to serve. We might have a wrong view of God. We might have a wrong view of people. We may have a wrong view of ourselves. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So here in Luke 18, this is a wrong view of God. We want to serve to be good enough for him, as if that's possible. The account here in Luke 18 is when a Pharisee and a tax collector both offer offer up a prayer to God. The Pharisee starts out by praying, thank you, God, for creating me this way. It's a great start to a prayer, right? Acknowledging and thanking God, knowing that he is the creator. Yet then he goes on to say, thank you for making me better than them, not like those sinners and tax collectors. But the tax collector prayed, Lord, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. And Jesus said it was the tax collector that went away justified that day. See, the tax collector, he wasn't trying to be good enough. He knew he wasn't good enough as if we could be good enough for God. Or maybe we serve because we wanna try and get something from him. We read in Luke 15 about the prodigal son, pretty familiar story even in the secular world. But both of the brothers in this story, they just wanted something from God. The younger brother, he just wanted to be fed and a place to lay his head down at night. And the older brother just wanted recognition. They were both working just to get something from God. It didn't end well. Or a wrong view of God, maybe we want to pay him back. He paid the ultimate price. He gave his life for us. God, I want to do something to pay you back. We read in 1 Corinthians 13, if I could speak in tongues of men and angels, even if I give everything I have away for your sake, or if I deliver up my body to be burned at the stake, as if that's payment back to God? It's not even close. It says we are nothing if we do those things without love. We cannot pay God back. But those are just some reasons to serve when we have a wrong view of God. What about if we have a wrong view of people? How about serving to impress? I gotta tell you, this is a hard one for me. Pastor Phil actually asked me if, to consider teaching next Sunday, and I immediately said yes, and then I realized 
I was saying yes, because I wanted to impress all of you. I wanted to look good up here saying, I know something about the word, and I know you're hungry for it. So I said, Phil, I, I don't think I should do it. Talk to Justin and him, and I will not be preaching next Sunday. Say, God, I want to do it for the right reasons. Well, he taught me a good lesson, and here I am seven days earlier. Um, but I'm not here to impress you, right? It's the word of God. But look at what Jesus has to say about what we try and impress others. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. When we are trying to serve to impress others, say, look at me, we've gotten our reward and we've lost the opportunity to get the reward from our Father in heaven. Or maybe we want to serve to belong. I would love to have the abilities to be up here with the worship team, to play an instrument or sing like they can. Be thankful that I don't try. But, you know, we see in Acts chapter 8, Simon the magician. Simon's a popular guy. He's pleasing everyone because they think he's a magician. They're all coming to him. And then the disciples show up with the real truth. And all of a sudden, no one wants to pay attention to Simon anymore. So Simon says, I want to believe in what you guys believe. And they baptize him. And then John and Peter show up with the Holy Spirit's power. And they're doing things that nobody has ever seen. And Simon wants to be like them. So what does he do? He offers to buy it. He says, let me give you money so I can do the things that you're doing. He just wants to be part of the group. He didn't realize that being a Christian, he's in the group. Sometimes if we want to belong, we are serving for the wrong reasons. Maybe we have a wrong view of ourselves, and that's why we serve. We want to serve because we think Jesus needs us. And when Phil called me on Thursday and said, would I give the message this Sunday? Like, Justin's in Florida. I have to do this. As if Jesus needs me. As if someone wouldn't be standing up here today if I wasn't. As if someone isn't in every church around the world today declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. He gets his work done without us. He does not need us. And in Luke chapter 10, we read about Mary and Martha. Right? Martha's running around like crazy looking at all the work that needs to be done. And Jesus says, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen well. Mary's sitting at my feet, fellowshipping and listening to me. Man, I have been a Martha so many times, just thinking about all the things that have to be done, forgetting about spending time with Jesus. How about serving because I don't need Jesus? I just scratched my head a little bit on that one when I first read it. Serving because I don't need Jesus. We read in Mark chapter 9 here, the disciples had been out in the power of the Holy Spirit, healing people, casting out demons, and they came along a person where they couldn't cast out the demon. And they were really frustrated, as you see, as they come back. They entered the house where he had entered, and that was Jesus, and his disciples asked him privately. They asked him privately because they were ashamed. Why couldn't we do this work? We were just doing all these great things. And he said, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. 
See, they had forgotten their power source. They were out serving God, doing what he asked, and things are going really well. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't happen. Why? Because they thought they could do it on their own. Sometimes we serve because we think we don't need Jesus. I know I've done that. These reasons here, to be good enough for him, to get something from him, to pay him back, to impress others or to belong to a certain group because we think Jesus needs us, or maybe we think, I don't need Jesus anymore. I can serve without him. Those are the wrong reasons, and when we serve for the wrong reasons, we will give up. We will give up. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to here who said, I used to do everything at my last church. I like coming here now and just sitting in the pews. And man, I get that. Sometimes I just want to sit in the pew too. Because when we serve for the wrong reasons, this is where it leads us. We will give up. We will become bitter with God, annoyed with others, and desperately disappointed with ourselves. Does that ring true for anybody here today? I know it's wrong true for me. So I've read half the book. I'm dejected. I'm like, I've been serving for the wrong reasons so many times. Oh, man, I hope there's some encouragement going forward in this book. So the book was written all around one verse, Mark 10, 45, which reads, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That one verse caused the author to write the entire book. I read the book in a couple days, which for me is a modern miracle. And the next day, Randy Green was just praying for us. He had the responsibility of organizing the speakers at the men's retreat. And we knew it was going to be about being a servant. But he said, let's get on Zoom and talk about a little more details here. And he said, guys, we have a theme verse for the whole weekend. Guess what verse that was? Mark 10, 45. I said, okay, God, you're confirming to me this is the message that I need to hear. It's the one verse. See, Jesus did not come to help us learn how to be worthy servants. He came to die because we are not worthy servants. We try to be good enough for him. We try to impress others, but we are not worthy servants. He came for that reason. We have to first realize that we are being served in the present tense by Jesus. He died on the cross for us 2,000 years ago, but he is still serving us today. And until we realize that, we can't know the joyful freedom of the Christian life. See, we have to focus on his service to us and the new relationships that it offers to us that are only possible through Christ. There are relationships that we can have today because of Christ's service to us. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. So in John chapter 15, Jesus calls us his friend. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. See, a servant gets orders, but a friend gets details. Jesus made all that he heard from the Father known to us. We have access to Scripture. You know, a boss, they need to be impressed, but a friend just appreciates our presence. I'll give you an example of that. Say you got a home project going on. You're renovating the upstairs or you're doing a project out back. 
And you ask your friends to help, and one of your friends says, hey, I can be there for an hour tomorrow. I'll show up around 11, but I gotta leave at 12. Your friend's gonna be so thankful for that offering of service. You're gonna show up, they're probably gonna offer you something to drink, something to eat, show you what they're doing, give you all the details of the master plan, and they're gonna be so grateful that you spent that hour with them, and then you're gonna say, hey, it's 12, I gotta leave. Thanks for coming, man. I really appreciate your help today. Imagine going to work tomorrow with that same mindset. Hey, boss, I'm gonna show up at 11. I gotta jet out at 12. How will that go over? It's such a different relationship when when the master becomes a friend. You know, John Glesner spoke about being a servant at work during the men's retreat. He was talking about a relationship with a specific boss that he had. And he said the relationship got so much better that that boss wasn't just his boss, he was his friend. It completely changes the relationship. If we look at Jesus as someone just to serve and forget about the relationship that we have as a friend, we're missing out on so much. But it's not just friends. Jesus also said we are the bride. We are the bride of Christ. For all you married people out there, were you friends with your spouse before you got married? I'm guessing yes. The relationship developed, you get engaged, and you get married. Can you imagine if you just stayed friends? All that you would be missing out on in that relationship that you have with your spouse. Jesus calls us his bride. In Ephesians chapter 5, there's all kinds of information about how to live in the household, how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, how to interact with our children. But Paul writes, the mystery is, this mystery is profound. I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church because it is our relationship with him. We are his bride. You know, believe it or not, we actually talked about the British royal family at the men's retreat. I didn't know who Kate Middleton was a few years ago. She was just another girl in England. But then she married Prince William, and everything changed. Her status changed because of who she was marrying. We have citizenship in heaven now because we are the bride of Christ. But it goes beyond that. We are his children. As Joel just sang, I am the child of God. We read in Galatians, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. We are sons and daughters. In the prodigal son story, the younger son, when he was getting ready to return back to the home, he just wanted to be a servant. He prepared a speech. All right, I'm going to go back and say, Dad, just let me be your servant. I know I'll get fed. I know I'll have a place to sleep. I'll get treated better than I am right now. But as he started coming home and delivering that speech, his father cut him off. And he declared, this son of mine has returned. The father has declared, this is my son. Could you imagine what his attitude was like, the son's working in the field the next day? I'm imagining he was whistling, probably working twice as hard as anybody else. He wanted to come back as just a servant, and he's now a son again. That relationship is restored. And we're left wondering, what did his older brother do? He's outside at the end of the account in the Bible. He's bitter. He's not getting the recognition he wants. I'll bet the decision that he made of whether he went inside to the party or not had everything to do with his attitude working next day. If he went in, I'll bet you he was whistling wait next to his brother. But if he didn't, 
I bet you he was bitter. I got to work in the field again. See, understanding the relationship that we have with God should change everything about our service. And it gets better. See, we are not just his bride, not just children, and not his friend, but we are heirs. We read in Romans chapter 8, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We are heirs of Christ. My favorite commentary, Warren Wearsby, starts out his commentary on the book of Ephesians with this story, true story of a multi, multi-millionaire woman living in New York City. And every morning, she eats cold oatmeal. And the reason she eats cold oatmeal is it would cost her money turn the stove on. She had a son who needed an operation on his leg. She kept searching for a free clinic that would do the surgery. She could have paid for the surgery a thousand times over. She kept looking for a free clinic. Eventually the son's leg deteriorated to the point where it had to be amputated. When we hear that story and think of this woman, we're like, she is nuts. But we have a spiritual bank account that we can tap into and we forget. We walk around feeling guilty and Ephesians tells us we are forgiven. We walk around thinking we don't have the energy to serve. We have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have a bank account that we can access. Thinking again about the older brother in the prodigal son account, he was standing outside being bitter when his father said, everything I have is yours. We have to remember that we are heirs with Christ and what that means to our service to him. So we can serve for some wrong reasons, but when we do, these are things to remember. When we serve to impress, we have to remember that God sees us as a friend. He's already happy with our presence with him. We're serving to belong. We have to remember that we are adopted children. He chose us. If we're serving to get something, we already have it all. We are an heir to Christ. If we're serving because we think he needs us, he chose us. We are his bride. We have to know why we are serving. You see, the relationships that we have change everything about why we serve. If we don't know why we serve, we're missing out. We must know the why. I'm going to drive that point home here a little video from Michael Jr. Michael Jr. is a Christian comedian. So is our treasurer, Mike Spicconi. But Michael Jr. is a Christian comedian who goes around speaking at conferences like you see on the screen. And he'll do his comedy bit, and then he'll interact with the crowd. So this is a clip from his podcast showing his interaction with a music teacher in the crowd. So we'll pick that up there. So you're a musical director. Yes, cool. sir. All right, so... Um let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, "Amazing Grace." Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow, that brought could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Uh, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, 
Your uncle just got out of jail. You got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So here's the thing. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time I asked him to sing, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what has more impact because you're walking in or towards your purpose. Mm. When we serve, we have to know why we are serving. If we don't know our why, we're singing that first version. But if we know why, it changes everything about what we do. And see, here's the thing. The treasure of Christianity is that we get God. We get God and all those relationships. Jesus died on the cross and rose again so the relationship would be restored. If we want others to get God, we have to know why we are serving. Brothers and sisters, the harvest is plentiful, but the harvest is plentiful, but Father, thank you so much for today and thank you for reminding us in your word the relationship that we have with you because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Thank you for reminding us that we are your friend, we are your bride, we are an heir with Christ, and that we are your children. Lord, we will serve for the wrong reasons at times. May your spirit remind us of the relationships that we have with you so that our service can impact your world, your kingdom, and the people that you want us to be in relationship with. Father, we thank you for the work on the cross and the relationship that's possible because of Jesus, and we recognize that there might be someone in here today who says, I don't have that relationship with Christ. If you don't, you can have that today. It can simply be like that tax collector who said, Lord, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. I don't have a relationship, but I want one. I want to have a God I can call a friend. I want to be called your child. God, I pray as we leave this place that we would know why we were created and we would know why we are serving you. May your spirit guide us as we leave and dwell on that. We pray that in Jesus' name.
Amen.